And uh, I want you to stay hungry and thirsty. Thank you so much to the worship team. I just want the keys and the drums with me to stay. I, I don't want to share long of you. I, I just want to lay a foundation for where I believe we're going to go to tonight. Amen. And um, won't you turn your Bibles with me to 1 Chronicles chapter number 15 and verse number 15. And um, 1 Chronicles chapter number 15 and verse number 15. And I want to ask just for the next few minutes that, that um, I believe that the Lord wants to invade the space. I believe that the Lord wants to uh, do things because the hour is late. Can I say that again? The hour is late. And what I mean by that is not that it's six o'clock at night now. The hour is late in the spirit. That means, and um, if I can please ask the volunteers to help us. I love the children, but um, just help us with that. Thank you so much. Um, the hour is very late. And because the hour is very late, it means there's a sense of urgency by which we should live, right? And um, we are living in a time, we are living in a moment where biblical prophecy are right around us. It is unfolding right around us. And everywhere we look, you, you don't need a prophet in this hour, I would say, to understand that we're living in unprecedented times. Come on, are you there? We are living in a time, we're living in a moment, we're living in a season that uh, God has selected you to live in this season. God could have chosen any season for us to live in, yet He did not. He chose this year 2023 that you are here you are breathing you're alive that means you have a purpose come on do I have somebody that can say amen to that and so because this hour is so late I believe that there is one single greatest task that all of us have and it's to host the presence of the most high God because if I host the presence of the Lord I'm going to show you just now if I'm a host of the presence of the Lord you have to understand that everything God does is transformative by nature let me say it like this. God doesn't want us to be uh, impressive. God wants us to be possessive. God wants us to possess territories. That's why as a business person here or as a mom here, as a lawyer here, as a doctor here, uh, God wants you to be as, as possessive as you can, but not unless you do it with His Spirit. May I say that life means absolutely nothing unless we do it with the Lord. And so, of course, tonight you are hungry and I... I pray that you are hungry and you are thirsty for the Lord in this last hour that we are living in. Because again, I say we, we have not received the spirit of fear, but one of love, power, and a soundbite. But I want you to see where the Bible says God puts it. God says, I, you have not received the spirit of fear, but one of love, power, and a sound mind. In other words, if we don't understand who we are in this hour through the spirit of love, Romans 5, 5, we're going to question our identity and we're going to ultimately question our destiny. Is there anybody that's with me? And so Jesus wants to receive His glory and the Father is going to give it to Him. And so what I believe to be true is, is simply this, is that if we want to be possessors of the kingdom, if we want to be possessors of the Holy Spirit, this is how it works. Whatever you want to have more, you need to pursue more. Can I say that again? Whatever you want to have more, you need to pursue more. And here's a law in the kingdom. Whatever you're pursuing more, you need to give more away from. Because God fills people that continuously give away. Are you there? He wants jars that He can break so that He can flow through you and not unto you. Because whatever the Lord can get through you, will get to you. Come on, I have anybody that's... I, I'm not... Um, 
I want you to say, I want our, our eyes to be upon Jesus because ultimately everything in this life is about Jesus. It started with the Lord, it's going to end with Him. And so in 1 Chronicles 15 verses 15, and I, I, I just want to put this foundation in because ultimately I believe that the great mystery of God for me in this and, and is that God has chosen us to be vessels of His glory. Ultimately, that doesn't make much sense to me because I, if, I, if I just have this thought, okay, the God of the universe has chosen to place His Spirit inside of human beings that are temporary and they will most likely fail Him. Just the thought is big. Are you there? What even takes it to, for me higher is that God, Jesus, had such huge humility that He chose the God of the universe of galaxies and planets and dominions and principalities and rulers of the darkness, everything in submission to Him. That God that by the breath of His nostrils, He opened up the Red Sea. And by the way, when the Bible speaks about waters, it speaks about the Spirit. That's why David says, the deep cries out unto the deep. It is the Spirit that cries unto the Spirit. Everybody with me? And so, this God that is, that is so massive, that is so expansive, that is so omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent, He chose to become a seed and to go into a woman and to be born. Come on, are you guys with me? So in 1 Chronicles 15, 15, I want your hearts to become ready. In 1 Chronicles 15, 15, the Bible says, And the Levites carried the ark of God with the poles on their shoulders, as Moses has commanded them according to the word of the Lord. I'll read it again, 1 Chronicles 15, 15. It says this, And the Levites carried the ark of the Lord with the poles on the shoulders, um, as Moses has commanded them in accordance with the word of the Lord. I want you to see here that the ark is representative of the presence and the glory of God. Everybody there? So the ark is representative of the presence and the glory of God. But I want you to see who was the carriers or who was given the task to carry the glory. It's a bit quiet here tonight. 1 Chronicles 15, 15 again. And the Levites carried the ark of God with the paws on their shoulders, and Moses had commanded in accordance with the word of the Lord. Why, why two poles? Why two poles? And if you are taking notes, please write this down. There was two poles because the two poles represents the cross. And these poles that represents the cross were the ark were, had, had golden circles on, the, on it that the poles went through. Please listen to me carefully. The golden circles represents the eternity or the eternal nature of God or the glory of God that is forever and ever and ever. It never stops. And so the glory of the Lord, the splendor of the Lord, the glory of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit goes on forever and ever. But to access that glory, there's two poles that needs to go through it. In other words, there's only one way to the glory of the Father, and that's through the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Without the cross, you cannot access the glory. It's very important. When, without the cross, you cannot access the glory. But I, I want you to see here that these, these poles rested on the shoulders of the Levites. And your Bible records that when the ark stumbled, a man reached out and tried to stabilize the ark. You remember the story? Tried to, to memorize the ark. I want you to understand something tonight because we're going to lay hands. I'm going to lay hands. I'm going to impart to you. But I need to lay a scriptural foundation for what I, what I believe the Spirit of the Lord wants to do. 
is this, I want you to understand, if you carry the glory, God is okay with that. But if you touch the glory, God will most likely remove you from the planet. I'll say it again. When you carry the glory, God is fine of it, but you cannot touch the glory. It belongs to the Lord. That's why our lives, may I say this, that's why our lives by default has to point to someone. It cannot point to us. Because you and I, we cannot save nobody. We can't even save ourselves. Our blood cannot save us. We need a blood from a different agent, from a different man. His name is Jesus. That blood heals, that blood saves, that blood redeems. Our blood cannot save us. Come on, are you, are you okay? And I want us to understand this. So the best attempt that you and I can have in this life is to live our lives in communion with the Father and everything that happens in us and through that, us to point people to Jesus. So that we don't receive the glory He does. I said it this morning, I'll say it again. Sometimes we say we want to make Jesus famous. Listen, you can't. The angels are already doing it. The stars is already doing it. The planets are already doing it. The whole creation is already recognizing the sun. Are you there? We have a place in that. But uh, in our finiteness, I, I promise you that the sun will get his glory. And, and so you and I have to live lives and that reflects the glory of the Father. Come on, think about this. 1 Chronicles 15, 15, again I say, and I, I want this to be embedded in our hearts because unless I lay a biblical foundation, the Holy Spirit cannot come and breathe upon this meeting. But the Holy Spirit can breathe upon the Word of the Lord. And that's why it's so important to understand that you can only access the Father through the cross. And it's the, the, the Father through the cross that gives you Jesus and Jesus baptizes you in the Holy Spirit. Because John the Baptist said, one comes after me and he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and will fire. So who's the baptizer in the Holy Spirit? Jesus. You can't receive the Holy Spirit unless you have Jesus. Come on guys, are you there? And that's why the Bible says, and I, I want you to understand this, by default we have to, we have to point people towards the Lord. And secondly with this, is, I, I want you to understand this is that the Bible, the Bible says that the grave thought that it swallowed a man, but actually what it didn't understand, it was not swallowing a man. Grave was swallowing a God-man. And that God-man destroyed the power of hate, hell, and the grave. So when he went into that tomb, it might have seemed, and why am I saying all of this? I'll, it's very important that we understand because the grave might have thought that by taking the son into the tomb that that was the final say no. What was being, what was busy happening is that as Jesus went into the tomb, the Father planted him in the tomb. You have to understand, a seed's best work happens in the darkness. Because as the seed gets planted into the darkness, what happens, the work of the Father starts. There where nobody can see what the Father is busy doing. Because when you take a seed and you put it into the darkness, the Bible says that that is around, it starts to speak not to the seed, the seed starts to speak to it. And suddenly the outside layer of that seed starts to break out because why? The inside DNA of who the seed is starts to speak to its surroundings. It says, I need light, I need water. The same thing when Jesus went into the tomb. It wasn't the tomb that was dictating, it was Jesus dictating to death what was about to happen. 
And so that's why you and I, and I'm going to quote the scripture just now, you and I have got no fear to fear because death has no sting. The hell has no power. The hell doesn't have power. And Satan most definitely doesn't have the final say. We are carriers of glory because the Son of glory chose us. It's not that we chose Him, He chose us. We need to reflect that and understand that. Hebrews 2, 14 to 15 says this, Since therefore the children share in the flesh and blood, He Himself, please note that He Himself likewise partook of some things that through death, that through His death, He might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. So death only had power when sin was present, right? Because death was not made by the enemy. Death was not made by Satan. Death was made by God. Because death was present in the garden of Gethsemane. And I don't want to emphasize on that. I just want you to understand that God made death. But what empowered death was sin. So when does, sin, when does death lose its power if somebody else paid for sin? So why doesn't death have any more power over the Christian? Because we have Jesus. Jesus paid the price. I said it this morning, I want to say say it again. Jesus did not come to improve our lives. Jesus came to take your life. Therefore, He says, whosoever holds on to his life will lose it. Whosoever gives it away will find it. If you want to possess your life, you're going to lose it. If you want to give it away to Him, you'll find it. Because it's your life or His life. Are you there? I'll say it again. It's your life or His life. And this is why it's important to understand. As He is, so am I in this world. My boldness does not come out of my own strength. My boldness comes in my confidence that I have in the Lord my God. The same God that spoke to Abraham, Jacob, Isaac, Moses and all of the saints before me, that same God, I've got a confidence in Him that He cannot fail, He shall not fail, He will not fail because He has a track record of being successful. Come and give Him some praise, just some honor. There we are. And as I was looking at this, the Lord started to speak to me and this is what I want you to understand. is that our Sabbath is not so much today as it is a person. I'll say it again. Everything is shadows and types. Old Testament, of course, Sabbath. New Testament, we understand the law of the Sabbath. But Jesus makes this statement. Please listen to me. Jesus says, come to me all who are labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Learn from me. Let me go on. I'm just going to come back. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Come to me, all who are labor and are heavy laden, then I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me, upon you, and learn from me. We often quote, and we like to quote this, but outside of context, we say, uh, take the yoke of the Lord, but we lose the scripture. And listen to what he says again. Very important. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. That's the part we must learn from me. If Jesus is the master and we are the students, the first thing that you must learn is there's a few things, but I'll name three things. The first thing you must learn is this. Without the Father, you can do nothing. Okay? Which means that often the things that burdens us is the things that He did not command. Secondly, 
If you learn from Jesus, you have to understand that his dependency is right again from the Father. He didn't send himself, he was sent. In other words, he's a man under instruction. So that means often rest is found out in the instruction of the Lord, not in the performance of man. I think many people are, are very tired because they are living lives under their own instruction. The Lord did not instruct them. Because God says, while you sleep, I can give it to you. Right? Third thing, if we want to learn from the Lord, we have to learn obedience. Because the Bible says the Son became the Son through what He suffered in obedience. Come on guys, is there anybody with me? So the Son of God became the Son of God through learning obedience by what He suffered. I want to say in this final hour, run away from teachings that tell you these are the seven steps and the eight steps of a happy life. There are going to be many of them. God did not come to make us happy. We are of course to be happy because we have to have the spirit of joy. Uh, it's not what I, what I meant. I, I meant that if we, are, if we are promising people that to follow Jesus is to follow a life without tribulation, without pain, without any form of sorrow, without any price tag, without any form of persecution, we're lying to people. It's true. Because the real Christian life looks like a cross. Come on, is there somebody here with me? So we have to tell people that your confidence is in the Lord. Maybe I can say it like this, everything again points to Jesus and it's that that I want to deliver tonight. I want Him to be delivered unto you. I want you to understand tonight that Moses spoke to God through a burning bush, but it's only through Stephen that we learn. Please listen to me. It's only through Stephen in the book of Acts that we learned that, that it was a thorny bush. Have you ever read that? Stephen refers to it as through the thorny burning bush God spoke to him. Which again speaks about Jesus. In other words, who was the carrier of the thorns? Who put thorns upon his head? Jesus. Because cursed is every man that hangs upon the tree. The Bible says it very, very clear. Cursed is every man that hangs upon a tree. In other words, Jesus became the curse and he cursed what cursed us. So blessing and cursing cannot come from the devil. Blessing and cursing comes from God. God curses and God blesses. But you and I have a representative before the Father and He became the curse and He cursed what cursed us. That's why, for example, He had a crown of thorns. Why? Because the Bible says God cursed the ground. It's interesting, He cursed the ground. Oh, come on. Are you guys okay? They didn't curse the waters, He cursed the ground. Jesus had put the, the thorns upon His head so that you can have the mind of Christ. Your mind is not cursed. Your brain is not cursed. It's under redemptive power. It's under the power of the cross. In other words, you don't need to think like the world thinks. You don't need to have the same appetite as the world has. You can be completely different and you should be because you're a child of God. Come on, are you there? The Bible says He was marred beyond beyond comprehension. That means he was beaten so badly through the book of Isaiah that we, don't even, we couldn't even know it was a man. Why was he scarred? Why was he bruised? Why was he beaten so badly? Very simply, so that your image can be restored to the Father. 
If Jesus didn't do it, you would have needed the bruising. You would have needed to pay the price. But Jesus paid it. Jesus was bruised. Jesus was, did everything. He took our transgressions. He took our shame. He took our blame. He took the handwriting of requirements that was against us. He took all of it. And the Bible says He hung on the cross so that the joy that was set before Him was you and I. That's why He stayed. And eventually all of the sins of the world came upon Him to such an extent that the Father turned away. And He Himself cried out, Eloi, Eloi, lava sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He himself decided when it was finished and he himself said, now it is finished. And then he gave up the ghost. Everything under instruction. Why? Because he wanted to shift a planet back to him. He wanted to shift the people back to him. Oh, is there somebody with me? He wanted to shift sons and daughters. And he had to do it by himself. He could have done it through an angel, but he didn't. He came by himself. He came by himself. Maybe two more thoughts and I want to pray for you. God has no grandchildren. Say it again. God has no grandchildren. He just has children. Say it again. God does not have grandchildren. He just has kids. He doesn't have good or bad children. Just hold of the keys. He doesn't have good or bad children. He just has children. Because he's not keeping a record of wrongs. Come on guys, are you with me? He's not keeping a record of wrongs. All that he's looking for is you finding your identity in Christ. Come on, that's, that's all that he's busy doing. I'll tell you now when to play. He is he's looking for a people that can find their identity back in him. And once you find your identity, his glory can come and rest. And he's looking for a people right now in this hour. He's looking for a people that will once again say, come and rest upon me. He's looking for, a, for individuals to pick up their hands. Because the Bible says through the book of Isaiah, please listen to me carefully. The book of Isaiah says, Lord, here am I. Not plural, singular. That means as we sit here tonight, you can pick up your hand and you can say, Lord, here am I. Take the call, cleanse my lips. Here I am I. You don't need the invitation through another person. You can decide by yourself because the Father already made the invitation. The Father's final sermon was Jesus. He will never preach another sermon again. The final sermon is Jesus. Whoever accepts Jesus has life. Whoever ignores the Son does not have life. But the Bible says whoever possesses the Son has the Father. Whoever has the Father has the Holy Spirit. Whoever has the Holy Spirit has the world to come. Whoever has Jesus has life. Come on church, are you okay? Are you with me? If you don't have Jesus, then the hour is very late to play with your soul. It's a very late hour to live for yourself. It's an extremely late hour to believe that God wants you. And I said it this morning, I want to say it again. If Satan can't get you to be a Judas, he'll make you a moth on this hour. Because Judas betrays and Judas are, are scaly people because what they do, they lie to themselves. They lie to their own hearts. They lie to themselves because they think they're okay with God because God is not doing stuff immediately to them. No, you have to understand you're living in an hour of grace. And the reason why he's not exposing is not because he is agreeing with you. The reason why he's not exposing is because he has grace on you because of Jesus. Because he's no longer looking at you through the eyes of the law. He's looking through the eyes of his son. Oh, come on. Because every time he looks at you, he sees Jesus. 
Come on, are you guys okay? And because he sees Jesus, he sees you. And there's three holes that tells him all the time why he cannot act in judgment immediately. He needs to act in grace because next to him sits a person. Grace is not an idea, it's a person. His name is Jesus. Come on, give him some praise where you are. Oh, come on, I'll do better than that, please. And so I want you to understand this because it's, it's important for us all to understand this, that this whole thing started in a garden and Jesus ended it in a garden. Because the first Adam, listen to me very carefully, very carefully, the first Adam, and, and this is very important. You can just play softly for me, just pads. I, I want you to understand this whole thing started in a garden. You need to read in your soul. This whole thing started in a garden, but the Son of God, He finished it in a garden. He was not unfaithful like Adam. He was faithful unto death. The first Adam, listen to me carefully, the first Adam went to the tree of life and died. The last Adam went to a dead tree and brought life. Oh no. You guys are gonna give Jesus a golf clap. I'm very concerned. I say it again. The first Adam went to the tree of knowledge of good and evil and there he died spiritually. The last Adam took on a dead tree and he brought eternal life forever and ever and ever. You have to understand that. He took on a, a tree that he made, by the way. A tree that he made. May I be as bold tonight to say to you, I, I believe we're living out, I, and I love the glitz and the glamour. I, I must tell you, I, I like the lights, I, I like everything. But I want to tell you, the devil is not afraid of these lights. He's not afraid of LED screens. He's not afraid of cameras. But there's one thing that petrifies him. It's the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because that's an ultimate sign of defeat. That's where he lost the keys of hell, hates, and the grave. That's where he lost millions and millions and millions of people. And so the cross is a place of remembrance for him where he was ultimately defeated. And so don't live your life for the light. Live your light for the cross. Oh, come on. Do I have somebody that can say amen to that? When you're living your life for the cross, oh, come on. You have to understand the Bible says that Mary comes to the Lord after he died and he, and he, and he rose. The Bible says when she, when she went to look for him, there was an angel sitting at his head and an angel sitting at his feet. Right? Why an angel at his head and why an angel of his feet? Because that's the Ark of the Covenant. Jesus became the carrier. Emmanuel, God with us. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and the Word came to tabernacle with us. He was the personification of the Father. He is the Father's heartbeat. You don't need to look further. You don't even need to ask how the Father is like. You can just look at Jesus. That's why he said to Philip, Philip, you don't need to ask the question, show us the Father. Philip, don't you understand? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Come on, church, are you okay? This Jesus that I'm talking to, and let's just be clear on which one I'm talking about, the Jesus of Nazareth, the one that died for your sins, the one that is the eternal God that became a God-man, a man-God, the one that went to the cross, paid for your sins, went to the grave, defeated grave, hell, and all of its power, then rose and ascended to the Father, is seated at the right of the Father currently and will come back again. That's the Jesus I'm talking about. 
I'm talking about a Jesus that has got angels in submission to Him, that got galaxies in submission to Him, that has got massive universes in submission to Him, and everything is under His control. That's the King I'm talking about. I'm talking about the King that can open up the Red Sea with the breath of His nostrils, that can rip out a man out of a, a lion's den, that can remember Saul and, and, um, and Barnabas while, or and Silas while they're worshiping God. It's a God that comes and says, Peter, I know you want to be strong and I know you want to be courageous, but Peter, you're going to betray me. However, Peter, when you turn, strengthen your brethren and come follow me. You see, the gospel I, I read, the Jesus I read, is a Jesus that's not afraid of your mistakes. He's not afraid of your mistakes. He's not afraid. Peter was like, you know, he, he was like, I want to almost say now the wrong thing, but Peter, Peter was all over the show, man. One day he says, I'll be faithful. Next day he's running. One day he's, he's in front of the crowd. The next day he's cutting off ears. All over the show. Yet Jesus calls him a rock. Come on. God does not call you according to what you do or not do. He sees you through the eyes of His Son. That's why most likely most of the time, and please listen to me, that's most of why most of the time the record of wrongs you have against yourself, God doesn't know what you're talking about. Not that He does not know, He knows, but He forgot through the Son. Let me stretch you tonight. This omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient God that can think about everything chooses to forget your sin under the blood. The Lord said to me this afternoon in prayer, He said, tell my people, who do they think they are to remember their sins? I paid for it. Let it be. Come on. Let it be. Let me, by the way, say this. The first Adam fell in the Garden of Eden, but Jesus restored the Eden. Because Eden means place of my pleasure. That's the word Eden. And you, through Jesus, is once again restored, and you have become the pleasure of the Father. So the original Eden is a restored. And you can ask me where? It's restored through your heart. It's brought you back. Come on, are you guys okay? The original Eden is, is no longer lost. Jesus redeemed it. Because where the first Adam messed up, Jesus did not. Listen, and I'll, I'll close with two, two things here. And I want you to understand what I'm saying. Why is worship, why is praise, why is honoring the word of the Lord so important in this hour? Because if we don't do it, the rocks will. I said it this morning, I want to just emphasize it again. What is worship? Worship is not songs. We don't need more songs being written, by the way, about where leaders, uh, worship leaders are. We have way too many of those, the, the, and I don't even want to belittle it, but the point is we often sing songs, and I say it with all due respect, we sing songs about us. No, can we please stop that? Let's sing songs about Him. Because in this church, how can we, we worship for an hour? This morning you worship for an hour and 15 minutes. People can ask why. Because it's not about us. We're singing to Him. Because 
for all of cre creation and all of eternity, you're going to have a single task and that's going to be worship the Lamb. Oh, the glory of the Father will be that you and I with millions and billions of people, we will have the pleasure with the angels of the seraphims of the cherubims. We're going to worship the Lamb forever. We're going to dwell in the city of God and you're not going to float around on a cloud. I'm sorry, that's not what the Bible says. You're going to go to work for God in eternity. That's why this life is, the, is a dress rehearsal of what is to come. But that's why worship, again I say worship is not the songs we sing, it's the revelation I have. That's why I check the people worship. If you stand like this through worship, I know you don't have a revelation of who Jesus is. And I don't judge you, I'm just saying it's the truth. That's why when people have their arms lifted high and tears running down their face, they have a revelation of Jesus is. We don't have stages. We should not have stages. We should have altars. Oh, I don't know if you even get me. We should have altars where people come to offer up a sacrifice. If it doesn't cost us something, we cannot live a Christianity that is so cheap it costs us nothing. No, true Christianity will cost you everything. Come on, are you with me? And I'm not saying that God doesn't want you blessed. Of course God wants you blessed because He doesn't even, He doesn't just owe the thousand on the cattle heels. He, he owns the heels too. He's not interested. We quote this the cattle. No, He has the heels. is His too. So of course the Lord wants you blessed. <laughs> Come on, are you there? So we have to understand when Jesus died, and this is my emphasis, when Jesus died, the Bible says that the, that man did not mourn him. When the Creator died, man did not mourn him. And so who mourned him? His creation. The stars became dark. The sun became dark. Why? They recognized he was busy dying. And so in this final hour, what is our responsibility? To worship the Lamb. It's never changed. That's why I say, I say all the time, listen, worship God. Worship Jesus. Because the Holy Spirit cannot come and enlighten upon songs that we sing about us. No, He, he enlightens upon the Lamb of God. The Scriptures. That He can breathe upon. Because it points everybody to Jesus. Come on, are you, are you guys with me? And maybe the last thing before I pray for you, I, and I want this to be deep into your sin. The measure of spirituality is not based on revelation. Oh, you guys must record this now because I want this one to go out on all social platforms. Your spirituality is not measured by how many revelations you have. Your spirituality is measured by are you free from sin? Because he that knows the Son walks in freedom. Sadly, what we have done, we have measured our spirituality with the measure of revelation we have. It's not true. You can have revelation. I have also revelation. But revelation without an imitation of the life of Jesus is called being fake.
And the world does not need more people that can tell you they have got 10 revelations. They need a church that is ablaze of hearts full of fire, with eyes full of fire, with feet full of fire for the glory of the Lord. People that have got long robes of servant styles. People that have been marred and scarred by following the word of the Lord. People that have a deep dependency upon the God that they serve. A people that looks humble. A people that looks obedient and acts obedient. A people that serves before they talk so much. A people that have got one heart and that's to honor the Lord. A people that have been united with the spirit of love. And as Jesus Christ himself prayed and I quote him, he himself has said, Father, I pray that they may be one. As we are one, I and you and you and me, so that the world may know that you have sent me. The greatest testimony of the church is can we be one and how we pursue Him. If we can be one and how we pursue Him, there's nothing that the Father will not bestow upon us. If we live for the King, He can trust us. Come on, are you guys with me? Do you understand what I'm saying? If the Father can trust you, He'll hand over the keys. If I, I, I liken it to something and then I'm going to pray for you and call you out. If I have, I've got three daughters, my eldest is, is 17. Uh, I cannot give her the keys yet, but almost. Because she's reaching that place where she understands the magnitude of what I'm placing in her hands. Are you with me? If I do the same with an eight-year-old, it's fallacy. She has got no idea what power is under that hood. She doesn't understand what this vehicle can do, so I can't hand her the keys. Jesus said, I give to you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind shall be bound. Whatever you loosen shall be loosened. How does it come? It doesn't come by a, a spirituality that is fake. It comes by a revelation of who the Father is. And that revelation looks like the Son. Doesn't look like this and that. I, I, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I get, you know, I can say now a lot of stuff. I don't want to. The, the greatest revelation is the Son. Let me say it like this. You can't be more deeper than Jesus. How deep do you want to be? Seven visions, 12 dreams. No, please, just, just Jesus. Let's go there. With the dreams, with the visions. With all of that, but let's first get people to just Jesus. You know, I'll leave you with this thought and I want to pray for you. Are you ready for tonight? Are you, are you ready to? Listen, it's not, you didn't come to see me. You, you came to receive from the Lord. And the Lord is a respecter of no person. He looks for hungry hearts. He looks for a people that are, say, Lord, here am I. Use me. Lord, here am I. Mark my life for your glory. Lord, here am I. Because again, the Lord looks for the hungry. Jesus looks for hungry hearts. Hunger in the natural is fixed when you eat. Hunger in the spiritual doesn't, is not fixed when you eat. When you take from Him, you want more. That's how hunger works in the spirit. Where the more you take of Him, the more He'll give to you. But again, I say the Father's greatest sermon is the Lord. It's Jesus. And so our lives, our, our, greatest, our greatest sermon has to be Jesus. Oh. So how does, how does, how does, how does this work? What, what is the dimensions of 
And I'll, I'll close with this, and then I want you to, to start to be ready to come out. I can minister to you, but I, I want to leave you with a thought. On what can God rest greater power? On what can God rest greater presence? Who does He entrust of greater? Because all of you should pray that prayer. The disciples had the thought about greater only in the presence of Jesus. Right? And Jesus does not have a problem of them thinking like that. He just redirects all of them. And He redirects them away from themselves towards the Father. Come on, are you there? And that's the beauty of the Trinity. The Father directs everybody towards the Son. The Son directs everybody towards the Father. The Holy Spirit directs everybody towards Jesus. Jesus takes them again to the Father. They're not in competition. They're in full, com complete unity the whole time. And the job of the earth, and I, I don't even know if you will understand what I'm going to say now. The job of the earth is to find alignment with what heaven is in alignment with. Because once we're in agreement with what they're in agreement with, it will work. Amen and amen. So what did I say again? 1 Chronicles 15, 15, I'll summarize and I want you to respond. The fathers gave the instruction. He said, take my presence, carry it on an ark. Make sure you, you follow my instructions. Those two poles signifies the cross. The only way to the glory of the Father is through the cross. There isn't another way. People tell you there's another way they, it's, that you're doomed to hell. There's one way, it's Jesus. There's one method, it's Jesus. There's one road to the Father, it's Jesus. And it's narrow, it's not broad. If it was broad, many will come in. The Bible says it is a narrow road and few will find it. You know why few will find it? Because as we go, we find out this road cost us. Come on, church. I believe God wants to expand you greatly. I believe the Lord wants to put His Spirit upon us in a greater measure than ever before. Because the prophecies has to come to fulfillment. As same as we're seeing all this biblical stuff happening around us. And I, and I can teach you on every single thing that is happening around us. But the greater notion I want you to have tonight is not so much in, in the biblical prophecies that are unfolding. Because they are unfolding. All around us. And we will go into that. I'll teach you into depth of that. Because I understand that I'm a scholar. I, I can take you there. But the thing I want to take you to tonight or to him that I want to take you tonight it's rather the emphasis that what is happening around the world is not that the father is making the world fall out of pieces the father is making it fall into place for what for the manifestation of the glory of God looking for a people that can host them how hungry are you a hungry person don't have manners. Well, in my house, they don't. They moan when they're hungry. They want food. They get an attitude when they're hungry. Come on, are you there? That's why, as I said this morning, I'll close with that. Jesus sits with the Emmaus travelers. He breaks the bread. And when he breaks it, they see. Then the Bible says their hearts start to burn. 
I pray tonight, and I'm, I'm concluding. I pray tonight that your heart will burn. Put up for me 1 Corinthians uh, 2, verse number 2. Yeah, I think that's the scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter number 2, verse number 2. Are you ready tonight? Are you hungry for the Lord? I want to pray for impartation onto your lives tonight. 1 Corinthians 2, 2. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Look at that scripture again. For I determined, this is, that's one of the most literate people in the world that has ever walked this planet, was Paul. And by the way, it's not a, a deterrent from education. No, please be very educated. Because if you're educated, God can use you to write two-thirds of the Bible. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And so I want to encourage you tonight as we come out tonight that you will say, I have determined not to know anything but Jesus and Him crucified. And through Him, I want to access the glory. Because you can't touch it, but you can be a carrier. How? Through Jesus. Amen? Well, how can you access the anointing? Through Jesus. It's everything about the Lord. The Lord bestows it upon us. Come on, guys. Are you, are you with me tonight? Father, I want to pray in this moment, Lord, right now for everybody present. Lord, I pray for everybody that's online. Father, I want to pray that people will understand in this moment that, Lord, that the glory that you have given to the Son is only available through Jesus. Lord, that there is no other way. And, Lord, I want to pray tonight, Father, as... Lord, I believe you want to shift people to a next dimension. And I pray, Lord, as they get shifted tonight, that they will be reminded, Lord, that it's not about the effort of man or the works of man, but, Lord, that the power that you want to bestow and, the, Lord, the, 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 the level that you want to give unto them is because of Jesus Christ as Lord. And Father, I want to pray in this night, Heavenly Father, that, Lord, that there will be a hungry heart that will say, Lord, here am I, choose me. Father, I pray for more sons and daughters that will surrender more, that will go lower still, that will die to themselves, that will get their own agendas out of the way. I pray, Lord, that in this time, Lord, that their people will not be a Judas in this hour that lies unto their own hearts, nor a Martha that's busy with many things, yet not busy with the Lord. I pray, Jesus, help us in this night by your Spirit, in Jesus' mighty name. I thank you, Lord. If that's you tonight, if you... If you want more of the Lord, I, I, I want to make a single invitation, then I want to minister to you. I want to ask you tonight that if you come out tonight, please be serious of your own heart. Is that okay? Because the Lord is, again I say, the Lord looks to our hearts. Maybe I can just say that before you step out of your seat. David made that mistake. He looked to the outside and he was impressed with what was on the outside. God looked straight in the heart. He says, David, not that one. His heart is bad. Next one, please. Didn't know that one. Next one, please. And then came a shepherd's boy and the father said, that's the one. His heart is right. So when you come out tonight, let your posture of your heart be hunger. And the Lord will touch you and fill you. He fills empty containers.